welcome back to the comic corner uh i'm team up and i'm here as always with dad uh this is book club and we read underwater welder last week and yeah. it was fucking really good we're gonna get that right out of the way uh we both really enjoyed it let's get on to some other stuff though real quick so dad what did you read this week that you were really into what oh christ where did i start you know uh, actually, no, today. Today was a good day. I got to read the new Thor and the new Immortal Hulk that came out. And uh, Thor, you know, just, just when you think he can't kill another thing of preposterous power, he does it again. But it really? comes with a nice, um, a nice twist involving our dear friend Galactus and their relationship with the Black Winter. I would, I would suggest, if anybody's been reading the new Thor since it started in January. I mean, I have. I just haven't read the newest issue. Yeah. No, it does. Uh, it, it's, got a, it's got a fun fun twist at the end that's going to lead to a very interesting angle, which is like, it's great because there was already the old King Thor, which shows you the end of his story. So now you're like, you already know how it ends. How are you going to play into it? So it's fun to see how they're acknowledging that while also trying to keep it, trying to keep you off foot, you know? Right. Uh, so that was fun. And yeah, the Immortal Hulk. Oh. I mean, let's uh, be real here. The Immortal Hulk is I've, one of I've the also best been... comics that's been ongoing comics that is out right now. I was I I wonder if my passion for it is tied to the fact that I've been waiting so long for this goddamn issue to come out. So when it did, I just like ate it up. But Maybe. it was it was a it was a wonderful like reboot of the leader and the leader's importance to the immortal Hulk. Because I'll just say this: the leader is immortal just as the Hulk is. They're both they're the same you know two sides of the same coin, but one's the brain and one's the brawn. And uh, just as the Hulk comes back, the leader, Samuel Stearns, has found that the leader always comes back. Well, he was in some earlier issues of uh, the Hulk series, the Immortal Hulk series, and he was also in the crossover stuff called Weapon... It was like the... Oh, the Hulk uh, Vereens. Weapon H? No, it was the Hulk Vereens was the miniseries. And it was... Hulk, Wolverine, uh, Immortal Hulk, Wolverine, just like newly back to life. And oh, is this post adamantium Wolverine? Yeah. And like, the one with uh, the cosmic cube? I think so. Yeah. He, he had uh, the cosmic cube. It was like, the, the it was like one of the first major things that he did after he, you know, came back to life after being dead for a couple years. Like a couple real world years. Uh, and then. Weapon H, because it was about like Stearns trying to get Weapon H, and he turns Hulk and Wolverine into like ver like twisted versions of Weapon H, which is really weird. So like they both hulked out and grew adamantium spikes out of their bones. Dude, fucking comic books, they're so awesome. I mean, that's kind of what um, the Hulk did to fuck up Zemnu at the end of the previous Immortal Hulk thing. He, uh, he did, like, the World Breaker Hulk and, like, grew the um, spikes on his arms and just, like, wah! Right. Well, the thing with Hulk... I also reread that today. That was, dude, Zemnu taking in um, the Dario Agar is just uh, awful. Whoa. Just this puddle of, like, gears and a minotaur's brow, I guess. Yeah. 
it's uh it's so good like the series is so good as it's far so as appropriate like, though crazy body horror chewed up by your own horror yeah that's uh that's corporate america isn't it though and uh well like i was saying the, the immortal hulk was really fun i i, I want to go back to thor for a second though because i thought it was really intriguing there's a a climax not climax scene it's Throughout the whole uh, progression, Thor is faced with like his uh, biggest adversaries once more, and it starts with Gore, Gore the God Butcher, because I think you know obviously he's got to be the probably Thor's number one nemesis at this point, not named Loki. Loki's honestly more of a rival than a nemesis. Right. So I'll, I'll put it this way then. So like uh, the great the the Black Winter took in Thor and brought him to. Uh, you know, his own, it looks like that painting where there's all the staircases everywhere and nobody can get anywhere. Yeah. And so Gore is the first one to meet him and is like, this is your death. So you're like, all right, well, no, he killed Gore, but Gore is obviously the one dude that he sacrificed the most to destroy. Mm-hmm. And if you look at old King Thor, Gore comes back. We know so that. Good. So good. Right. Uh, but then you're like, all right, not a big deal. And then quick turn. It's Loki. These are the two the two people that Thor has never truly been able to defeat. Yeah. And then from there it goes to Mangog, who Jane had to defeat, if I remember correctly. Uh I believe so. I didn't read that lot. Like I haven't read that's, a lot. Uh, of Thor during because like Thor is unworthy at the time. That's when right. the mighty Thor is going on. She yeah. like hurls him into a sun or something. It's it it was fucking brutal. I read it. I need to reread it. And then it immediately descends on he's, you know, battling all of these famous villains like the villains make sense in their terms of uh i guess difficulty their mm-hmm. degree of difficulty so it's like doom like he's in there i think annihilus had killed thor at one point so annihilus is in there all these heavy hitters and then there's apocalypse and apocalypse gets a lot of screen time in this and i don't know if there's ever been a confrontation between the two but i would be so goddamn curious to hear about how it goes there has to have been right you would think, well, like, I, I don't know what storyline, because like Thor didn't feature in the Age of Apocalypse storyline. Like a lot of the X-Men villain outside of Magneto, I think have not really been Avenger level threats outside of, you know, the Phoenix and the Shi'ar. The Shi'ar definitely has something. The Skrulls, those are Fantastic Four if you want to get into the nitty gritty, right? Uh, yeah. Hold on, sorry. I'm looking up this. So they first battled in Uncanny Avengers 6. It occurred roughly a thousand years before the events of the main Marvel universe. That's what I thought is that if they did fight, it was somewhere deep in the past. Like when uh, he was probably in Saba Noor. Yeah. Uh, a young brawler who wasn't yet worthy enough to wield his hammer. This version of Thor had been recent. Yeah. In Uncanny, yeah. Pharaoh Ramatut, which was secretly Kang, uh, recruited Apocalypse for a mission, and, you know, him and Thor came to blows. They also came to blows. The pair would have another fight during the Unworthy and Mighty Thor tie-in to Marvel Generations. They fought in Axis, the story where like the good guys became the bad guys, the bad guys became the good guys, because Professor X's brain was inside oh, of the yeah. Red Skull. And then, like, well, actually, it wasn't Apocalypse like the leader of the group of that? Yeah, something, something like that, yeah. So I, it looks like Thor and Apocalypse have come to blows quite a few times. I, I just didn't think he would get as much uh, FaceTime as he did. 
Maybe it's, maybe the artist is just a huge apocalypse. Fan, I was gonna say, it's probably the, the artist. Case, then, he was like, yeah. "I want to draw apocalypse because that's the weirdest character on this on this page." Oh, and best thing about the new Immortal Hulk is right at the end of it, they show that Jeff Lemire, writer of Underwater Welder, is doing a one an Immortal Hulk one shot with someone within what's, the next few months. What's um, it called? The Threshing Place. Yes, that's what it is. And like the image is like. The weird, like it almost looks like the '60s, like Frankenstein Hulk in a the Petunia, right? Which, with but it's a a hair, it's like a what are the a hair clip? Yeah, we're regardless, it's still bringing up that uh, the the image of Frankenstein throwing the little girl into the river. Oh, but his head is huge, like the right. Leader. It's like yeah, it but it's like that the '60s Hulk, or like the '70s Hulk, where he is like that weird Frankensteiny kind of. But also that could talk more into the leader. Having yeah. some influence. Exactly. That looks rad. I'm very excited about that. Um, but now that we've brought up Lumiere, let's go. let's get into it. Let's it. let's Good talk job. about it. So let's let's talk about Jeff Lemire first. All right. Where where do you want to start? He's a Canadian cartoonist. He's known for his work on the Essex County trilogy, Sweet Tooth, Animal Man, All New Hawkeye. Extraordinary X-Men, Mood Knight, Old Man Logan, and Bloodshot Reborn for Valiant. Interesting. So he's like done a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, it's really it about him. I don't know. I like his I feel like his life is fine. Yeah, it's two sentences on his Wikipedia page. He was born and raised in a small farming town in Essex County, Ontario. Uh, he attended film school, but decided to pursue comics when he realizes that filmmaking did not suit his solitary personality. Yeah, and that's what, like that's his entire early life. Okay, all right. Uh, what when when was his earliest um, his earliest start in Marvel? What year was that? Because we're basing everything on his Wikipedia. Uh, two thousand fourteen ish. He wrote this in two thousand twelve. So I'm I'm going to think that there's a lot probably not mentioned there that he did between 2012 and 2014 he was doing a lot of he was doing mostly damn uh, good stuff like if, if it's stuff. all this caliber then there's there's some years that you want to explore he was doing dc heavy... and sweet tooth there's even if you the last page on the version of it that i read was like a letter that he wrote to everyone just like thanks for like i just want to say thank you to all these people who are like yep. this is a passion project of mine and like thank you for this guy who came and wrote on Sweet Tooth for him for a few months while he finished this project and all his editors at all the other companies who deal with all of his late books because he's been working on this project and this, that, and other things. So this was very much like a, a passion thing that he was working on by himself for years. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, he did a bunch of stuff for DC. Titans Earth One book. He did the new 52 Futures End, which was a weekly series through all 14 and 15 sweet tooth was really his biggest thing he did a lot of vertigo yeah stuff. no i uh i've been told from several sources to look into his like his back catalog and like the so lemire's thing which we should talk about with this and i've read some of his moon Knight run mm-hmm. which has been really cool uh because it ties a weird egyptian mythology with also uh conversations about like the the mental illness aspect behind moon Knight. Yeah, they he did... it just he straight up addresses what's going on, and that's there's a lot going on here. Like, this is a uh, underwater welder is a story about grief. I think He's, we can just say grief that is a right huge there. thing because in his grief Animal Man, general... in his Animal Man series, 
one of Animal Man's children dies and is like taken by the rot. Right. So what? So what we're saying is that take a look at Jeff Lemire's stuff because he's really interested in human stories and really impactful stories. Right. I want to know how, how much of his own life is wrapped up wanna, in yeah, the not, book we just read. I'd rather I'd rather not ask that question nor have it answered because I feel like it would just make me sad. Yeah. Because this book just made me sad. Oh, it was super. Ah, the ending was really happy. Yes. The last, oh my God, that scene when, uh, yeah, we'll get like, to that, but. Right. Well, so here, let's, let's start. Yeah. Let's start, let's start more at the beginning. So we got a diver. He goes out. The artwork, by the way, is awesome. It's yeah, like, the... it's so minimal, like this crazy line work. Yes. It's, uh, it, it honestly, it captures, there, there's a, uh, there, it's there's so a, good yeah, that you forget a... that it's in black and white. I did. I just yeah, realized honestly, that the whole thing is in black and white right now, and I was like, I never even thought about that while I was reading it. Yeah, no, I thought that was the best part about it, honestly, because it forces you to focus on what the image is. That's the best part about black and white um, comic books and stuff like that is that it focuses you to for uh, you're looking at the artwork and not at the colors around it. Like, oh shit, that's all bright and like dazzling and stuff. It's like no, you're fo- focused to look in on this, which is important because you can see like opening page. Lighthouse, cigarette, agony, complete and total agony, radio. And like, you, you just get like, it's, there, there's so much in those. And w- without color, like it makes it so much more bleak. It, like it speaks more to it. Right. So he is the guy, he's out on the boat, you're out on the, on the oil rig and he's helping out. He does his thing. He's got a wife. Uh, with a baby on the way that he loves very much. A small town in, uh, does it say Nova Scotia or? Nova Scotia. Is it Nova Scotia? Yeah. And he, you know, he does his thing. He comes back to his wife and they're doing their thing, but something keeps bothering him. He's like, all right, I got to go. I, you know, he's like, I got to go back to the rig. Something weird's out there, but I got to go back for work anyways. And I'll be back before the baby's born goes out there and he's down there and he thinks that he sees a watch and that's when you know like you described earlier the water and the helmet everything starts to get weird he finally comes up he gets sent home like the gnawing feeling just kind of keeps growing and growing on him throughout the book he talks to his mother and then you learn that like his father was a diver a salvage diver who would go down looking for treasure and you know, later on in the book, you find out that his father died uh, or disappeared on Halloween night, much to his disappointment for obvious reasons that we're going to get to. But he feels the need to go back down there. So he takes a, a rowboat out to the, to the thing and he goes down. He gets, he's looking around and he sees the watch and he touches it. And then it's almost like he got electrocuted by the lightning it seemed like to me that of the storm that was happening, I don't know how you felt about that scene, but then he ends up in the town back in his hometown with nobody in it. And he starts seeing himself as his father in the mirror. Eventually he gets out of there and he wakes up and he goes and sees his family and it's this whole thing and love and joy. And it's a really happy ending, but 
the in-between was heavy. Yeah, to say the least. So I get like I loved the the watch thing that was seemed like such a like a weird thing that I never really picked up on until like way later in the story when he's it showed the story of like him getting the watch from his dad and throwing it in the yeah like it was pretty early when he saw the watch and went up and then like the first time he had the memory the flashback was his dad giving him a fucking watch so that's when you know the but then he goes to get the watch out of his like childhood bedroom from his mother. Right, and and, and it's not there. And right. that's the point. Because it, he threw the watch in the the water when his Ooh. father tried to apologize yes. for being a bad dad. Yes. Yes, and that's when you get uh, that's when you get all of it. It's like this the the story's amazing because it's it shows somebody dealing with grief in such a humane and everyday way. Because it's like it's his job is the metaphor and how he's dealing with grief. He is sinking to the depths of his own subconscious to just like his mend own things together. Don't don't ask why we're down here. Just yo, we gotta fix it. We gotta fix. It. He says it at one point. Yeah, I'm like, really I, good I, at fixing, putting two things like, back together. I, I love broken. when it's down there because I know it's as simple as that. I connect these two. I light it. I melt it. I go, and then you can move on and up and out. But then things get rocky, and then he ends up in another, uh, I guess, subsection of it. If we, you know, we probably don't want to go Freudian or anything, but the, the art, as you were saying, on top of it, just his emphasis on like the face, and you can you can read the emotion so well, and you can feel the rain when it's there. Like you can feel the chill on the fact that it's a, a coastal mountainous town. Like being it being in black and white, you can you can feel the. Uh, dreariness yeah i don't I, yeah harsh harsh is the word i would say the harshness of it because that's right. like it's it's living in that town was hard living right you, you know? live there because that's where you were born and that's where you're gonna die and that's what everybody kept saying to him like uh, that, yo, the you had the opportunity you got, got out because he got the english degree he, yeah. he got the you know he and then he his wife the, got mad like oh, i can't like you dragged me back to this place. You've been harping on this forever. like Because of man. this feeling that he had to come back and find something. He was chasing his, as you said, his father went missing on Halloween. It was all or about that. The other side of it, it's what he wouldn't find there that he would have found out in the real world was also something that was a major point that they, they made in the book. Because he says that at least twice. That's yeah. not necessarily so- that he was... Uh, would he was going to find anything in the town? It's more about what he wouldn't find in the town that he would have found in the like almost like uh, that's his punishment. Because I think subconsciously through the whole and he does touch on it like it, when he relives the memory of throwing the watch into the water yeah. in front of his dad. Like, no, it's me. I was there's nothing I'm looking. That for. was me. And he drops there's, to his knees, dude. I had to. I put my laptop down and. uh yeah, cool. I had to read yeah. this in a couple of sittings because it was, it I was real it. heavy. I crushed it in one morning, and it was the saddest Sunday morning I've ever had. But God damn it, it was so good that I was so okay with it. I, j- I had to drink like two cups of coffee and like do push-ups to like get over it. Mm-hmm. But like this, no, it, like the way, like you said, when he when it gets to that point, it's like that was it. When he sees what it was, 
But then in all of it, you realize that it's him having that assessment. It's the recognition well, of. Honestly, we haven't said this yet, but like he throws like the reason his father goes missing is because his father is diving for the watch. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I was oh, gonna sorry, go. Were you I was, were you I was gonna go more point, into sorry. the fact that he's like he he dove down there right, and he still doesn't know why, but he needs he knows he needs to get the watch while he's down there is when you know his oxygen uh, i think the boat gets struck by lightning is what you said which makes sense and then uh so he gets stranded down there the pressure takes him he goes unconscious and he sees himself becoming his father essentially and reliving it all and that's when he sees that he hummed the watch into the uh, off the dock and that his father went to go get it but in through that he was able to see that he had done the same exact thing. Yes. He was chasing the watch in the same way that his father was, except like, you know, who knows if the watch was actually there and to be able to wake up from that and then to get back, as you were saying to the ending. So he is there to see the birth of his child. You're like, that was, it was, I, as I told uh, uh, our friend who suggested this, uh, our dear, our dear friend, Chris Q, like it was, Dude, like the hottest 10, 15 pages. It just like, it, it punched you. It gave you a combination of feelings. And it was, uh, it was, it was, this, it was amazing. It was amazing. I was going to say, one of the things I really liked about this book uh, was that it was all show and not a lot of tell. Yes. There were, for a 250 some odd page graphic novel, there was not a whole lot. It cruised. Of, Reading of this? Work. Do you could cruise through this in probably like an hour, hour and fifteen minutes. I was gonna say you could easily read it if you wanted to commit yourself. You could read it twice in a day. And easy, really go easy. in. You could probably get through this honestly if you tried and didn't pay it super close attention to a yeah. lot of the art. Well, let's not get carried minutes. away. With three, reading this three times in a day, you're maybe take a nap. Yeah, you're gonna have some real feels. But yeah, it was. Um, it was amazing. I'm glad, like I'm glad it, we liked it after last week's real stinker. I had a feeling it was gonna be it was sorry. I had a feeling it was going to be the case, you know? Yeah. Because oh, this yeah. game again, this came on high regard. Yes. From uh, someone we both hold in high, high regard. regard. The so one panel or page that I do really want to bring up because I really liked it was uh and it was at the end, was when he like wakes up. Let's see if I can find down it. below. Yeah, and it's the bubble, and inside the bubbles are all his memories. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, because he touches it. He touches yeah. like the watch, and he—that's when he starts. Like it's time, and then he touches it and starts freaking out, screaming, and his father is screaming, and you see all the memories and the squares, and then as like, he's like what, passing um, out, they're in the bubbles. What what page are you on? Like one eighteen, like one seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, what? and twenty. One seventeen, Jesus Christ! Okay. When you said the end, I thought you meant like the one nineties. That's like not even halfway through the book. I thought it was further towards because I, I, it was on the wrong side of the him waking up in the ghost town. I thought it was on the other side. It is not because I'm talking about the one with the it's his screaming and then you see all the bubbles of his past life. Oh yeah, no, that's awesome. But that's how you know, like, you know, uh, it all comes back to I think. Did, did you read Lindelof's opening where he compares yeah. it to a Twilight Zone episode? 
Yeah, the best Twilight Zone episode that was never made. Yeah, like that's how I went into this. So I knew there was some kind of twist coming. And like this was the moment that uh, our dear friend, Jackie Boy, he went into the Twilight Zone. It was this point. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's all it's all wonderful from here. But Yeah, the, the memories are all really good. Just the way it all, it's all... The way that sometimes you can't tell whose face you're looking at, Jack's or his father's, right, is like when he's younger is awesome. That's and again, like that's the point to by the end of it, it really drills home the fact that Jack becomes cognizant to the fact that he's about to commit the same kind of. Actually, no, he got lucky. I guess at the end of the day, right? Because he he is not his father. No, well, like he got no, he got lucky that somebody noticed his boat was out there. They got struck by fucking lightning because he was out in the middle. They went out there looking for him because she, his the wife, uh, her water breaks. Then she calls the rig and is like, "I I need my husband." And so he went out. They yeah, they he's not his father because he left a note. Right, he left the note. Yeah, but still, it was um. Whereas his father just went on and on about finding something for him to his bar buddies. Right. Yeah. And then was, that was that panel hurt when uh, on Halloween, when they showed that uh, Jack walked in, walked into the bar on Halloween night and was there literally minutes after I think he went under because it was uh, the cigarette was still lit on the bar and sitting in the ashtray. And the bartender was like, yeah, he was sitting here all day. Yeah, and he so- went out, saw his truck, and then didn't see him. And Jack said, fuck it. And he walked away, which I understand. If I was a kid, I'd do the same goddamn thing. Right. And that's why he hated it for so like hated Halloween for so long. Yeah, it made sense for the Halloween. Like I had a feeling that there was something, you know, murderous about Halloween. Right. I'm glad that wasn't like a standard, oh, Halloween was some kind of butchery. No, no, not at all. I'm super glad about that. Yeah, that was that was a nice change of pace, if you will. Oh, that last panel. Oh, I just saw the. I just resaw that the final panel. Yeah, dude. Book. Uh, I don't. I'm afraid to open it again. Yeah. It literally on page two twenty. It's just like the last page is. It's his face, his shock, and then his child's face, and then him crying, and then a shot of a close up of the watch in his hand with tick. Like the watch starts up again. See, uh, I think. Oh, that's all horrific. It's now the second time I look at it, it's become even sadder. Like this is this is awful. Yeah, that scene is brutally sad. I didn't realize that. I forgot about the tick tick. I was so focused on. Um, like what was going on? Yeah, I I don't know. I was I was so focused on. All right. He and his wife looking at each other. I know we keep talking about like how awesome the artwork is in this book, but I gotta say, and like, because it, it is, and I don't want to take away from it, but like, I seriously do have to say this. He had like the main character, like in that second to last shot of, or that last shot of his face where he's crying after he sees his newborn son. He's either got a lazy eye or he's part iguana because his eye is like nowhere. His eyes are not looking in the same direction at all. What makes you think that, like, all right, so look up, like, look right above that. So there's his wonky eyes. Set, no, like, it's a- fine. Like, right when the, it's, I'm just, it's this one thing where the way the eye is drawn is just a little off. 
I know that, like, if you look back, their eyes are always kind of that far apart. It's not that they're far apart. It's just where the, the way the pupils are, like, where the pupils are facing. Uh, you know, um, look at page two seventeen, where he when he opens the door, and it's just on his face. Those look like you know some iguana eyes, if you want. Yeah, well, he's got a. They got a lot of wide faces in this. Uh, well, like this. that. That's I think more accentuating the point that he's so taken aback. Like yeah. I've, I, I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I, I had no, no. I thought everything about the art in this was amazing because no, it, it is. I'm just the saying, there's one panel that's you know the eyes look a little goofy in it, but it still works out. Like it's only something I like me like because it's staring at me in the eyes that I noticed it. Because I literally just put down the book, open up to that point. Oh, actually, you know what? If you look at it again, the clock should be uh, something more, maybe optimistic. That's the whole point, yeah. Yeah. The clock is almost like the spirit of his father. No, no, no. no. I, I don't know if it's the spirit of his father. I would say it's more the start of a new life. Like, it's time, time started again. Yeah, because he, 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 did, he, did, he, did, he did. Yeah, he did. Not even he had a second chance. He didn't have time with his father, but he will have time with his kid. Yep. That's why the the clock started. I know that's probably what you were saying, and I chose to uh, talk over you and say it differently. Hey, that's that's how we do it, baby. That's the dynamic. Yep. The thank you at the end is still so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just, like, I can't really think, like, if all that I can come out of this with, like, you know what's kind of goofy is this one weirdly drawn scene where his eyes are kind of awkward out of this whole fucking book that's just amazing from front to back. Yeah. I honestly, I can't think sometimes, but even then, you know, I think the, the art got a little, like, I guess if we talk in Guana, it got even like a little Cthulhu. So like people getting a little uh, fantastical in nature, but it also showed you the, connection going with uh, the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Where you're trying to bring people out of their element so much. Excuse me. Right. So they were probably going to look bizarre. But this then is I, written I also and that, I'm sorry. This is written and drawn by Jeff Lemire. Yes. I think I that the beauty of it was that he was more focused on drawing emotions than on drawing characters. Mm-hmm. I think that's a a big difference with this because like like you said uh like looking at the eyes of it and you, you, there's the, those shots on the eyes you can read everything on there yeah um the emphasis on certain things and the lack of emphasis on other like there's everything oh god okay just looking at the cover again Ugh. um yeah i mean let's re- the biggest running theme in the whole um story as far as visual cue is the dripping like water dripping into a puddle yes it happens right at the beginning right at the beginning with the razor um i think it happens in the middle something with the rain there's the wife yeah they kind of allude to it when he goes underwater for the first time there's the the shaving scenes the wife when her water breaks yeah that's what uh when when uh, her water breaks like that's the drop that shocks him up when he's underwater and right. just before he gets picked back up right uh no no well it's him hugging his father is what wakes him up 
but the her water breaking is the first thing that happens as soon as he goes under. Like she yeah, reads that, the no. Yeah. And then immediately that happens. Yeah. And she, it breaks immediately. Yeah, it's again, oh, cuz it's it's the running motif of the him throwing the clock in the water. That's what it is. It's all it all leads back to that fucking clock him throwing it in the water. Yes. It's all about time. We need more time. But I would also Ooh. like to emphasize that if we're giving rankings on this, like this is easily the best thing we've read this entire time we've been doing this. I would like yeah. to, I, I'd like to say that like far and away, I think this is the way that it just dealt with. Um, it's, it's a, I, I have no problem calling this a graphic novel because of the way it addressed things. I mean, it's it straight up is it's not even, ish, it's like, there's no issues or chapters. Yeah, that's, I can I can make a semantic argument about that, but we won't. Well, it was it it was released as a single volume the first time it came out. It's not like it was. You oh, know, it was just a strict one-off book. Yeah, it's not yeah. like it was like there. Here, yes, there is no semantic argument. Yeah, it is all. It was all released as a single book with chapters one through five, I think it is, or four. Yeah. Uh, but on page one eighty, I just found a nice little uh, sweet tooth. Um, Easter egg. One of the kids trick-or-treating in the neighborhood that as he walks by is uh, dressed as Sweet Tooth from Lemire's other famous comic book. Which one's Sweet Tooth? The one with horns. Sweet Tooth is just like... Just a kid with horns? A, like a kid wearing a flannel with horns, yeah. Oh, word. Bambi have you, have you read Matt. Sweet Tooth? Uh, I read an issue or two of it I, like a long time ago. So you I never just really... casually caught that on page 180? Yeah, because I oh, I know Sweet Tooth very well. Ah. Like the, as far as what the character looks like, it's a very unforgettable uh, character design. Even at this like weird, basically, I was like, oh, a boy with horns. That's Sweet Tooth because that's his other famous book that he was working on at the time. All right. Well, I mean, so we talked Underwater Welder. It was great. We can't recommend it enough. And now it's time to go home. So we're gonna get out of here. But we do want to tell everyone, next week, we are going to read Nameless from Grant Morrison. Uh, it is tells the story of a down-at-heel occult hustler known only as Nameless, who is recruited by a consortium of billionaire futurists as part of a desperate mission to save the world. A massive asteroid named the place of fear in Mayan mythology is on collision course with the planet Earth. Bababool! Uh, X-I-B-A-L-B-A. Shibalba. Yes. That is what it, the asteroid is called. But yeah, so it's going to be sick. It's six issues. It's Grant Morrison. We're going to get fucking weird. Drop acid. Eat a bunch of shrooms. You're going to need it to understand like the first two issues, let alone the next four. Or you could just, like, Google Mayan mythology and you'll probably figure it out. <clears throat> well, yeah, but, you know, just to understand Morrison, because he's such a weird dude. His writing is all insane. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. You might know Grant Morrison from his work on the original Animal Man, Doom Patrol. He did Batman. He's the one who killed Batman. Uh, he did, did the he did Hush, didn't he? Right now he's. Oh, that's Jeff Loeb, I guess. 
Yeah, he's writing. Uh, uh, what else? He's doing the Green Lantern ongoing series right now. It's okay. He's like a little. He's getting a little too crazy, but it's it's still a good a good read. Batman Incorporated. Yeah, he created Damian Wayne. Yeah. So he's yeah he's a he's a really good writer, and I'm very excited to uh, read it. He also looks like the most normal person ever. That can't be right. That can't be what he actually looks like. He looks like Lex Luthor, like a skinny Lex Luthor who's not miserable. How is he not just like a crazy... There's literally a picture of him drawn as Lex Luthor. That's kind of fucked up. It's like him as Lex... Yeah, dresses Lex Luthor with all the characters he's created and worked on over the years in his hands. Like, he did. A, he was a big X-Men guy for a while, too. Yeah. Uh, All-Star Batman, All-Star Superman... Batman and Robin, the new X-Men. Yeah, this dude is awesome. I'm excited to read this. It's going to be super weird. So, yeah, uh, we're going to get out of here. Dad, do you have any final thoughts or words that you'd like to say? Uh, no. All right, keep washing your hands, and we'll see you guys next time.